Henry Handsome was a larger-than-life outlaw cowboy. At least that's how the legend goes. Henry Handsome Lived and Died examines the creation, evolution, proliferation, dissemination, and degradation of American folklore. Through 30 different short stories, the character, vague idea, false memory, misattributed anecdote, or influence of the titular Henry Handsome does everything from change the course of American media to sculpt modern-day knowledge of manifest destiny. Together, the collection represents the stories that create and define a culture, how those stories are told, and if they ever were to begin with, and if any of that matters at all. Each story was written, recorded, narrated, and produced by me, Elliot Matson. If you'd like to learn more about the collection, go to elliotmatson.com slash henryhandsome. But for now, saddle up and enjoy the story. Henry Handsome Lived and Died. Story number 28. The Whole World Waited for Amelia Barnes. Pedro Barragon lit a cigarette and stared intently at the staticky bar television on his break at El Moreno in Sao Paulo. Darius Strauss spooned leftovers into a chipped heirloom bowl in her Hamburg studio apartment. Titus Spuckler could hear the radio under the chassis of his T-top Camaro in Atlanta. Armando Casarubios hushed his crazy children as he finessed the family television set's crooked bunny ears in Buenos Aires. Francois Saint-Michel ordered a croque madame in Paris, or whatever they eat in Paris, who's to say? No matter what everyone was doing on September 27, 1977, the whole world waited for Amelia Barnes. Nobody had ever done what she was about to do. Well, except one man. The stress she was putting her body through, the absolute test in physical and mental fortitude and endurance. Funny thing was that if you asked Amelia about it, which several onlookers, passers-by, and news outlets did leading up to it and along the way, she didn't seem all too worried. Or serious. Or calm. Or happy. Or excited. Or much of anything. Journalists dug for an angle, interviewed her friends, of which she had very few, and family, which were mostly dead. They wanted a hero's journey. They wanted a struggle. An internal demon or two. Something to overcome and prove, goddammit. But in all honesty, the woman was plainer in the fence post. Built like one, too, as a matter of fact. Tall, skinny, sturdy as all get out. These traits made her perfect for the endeavor, and a nightmare for any editor looking to keep his or her job at their local paper. A story's gotta have something to it, after all, right? Himari Sokinara hailed a taxi to the airport in Tokyo. As is the case oftentimes, the story of the journey itself shrouded the person on it. Until the end, but we'll get to that soon. Everyone in the continental United States knows the story of Henry Handsome's famous time on the lam, when he circumnavigated North and South America, all in the name of avoiding the law. Some say it took him seven years to complete the 205,000-mile voyage on foot and by horseback. Some say it'd be easier to walk straight to the moon which is roughly the same distance. Some say it took him five years, two years, ten years, some say an afternoon. Some say that in fact multiple men completed different parts of the continental perimeter, passing stolen money off like a relay race baton. Some say it never happened at all. Ben Anderson scrubbed toilets at the Sears Tower in Chicago. Amelia had always been fascinated by this tale. Could a human being actually embark on a journey around this entire contiguous landmass? 
In one interview when she was passing through Charleston, South Carolina, during her third, maybe fourth year, Amelia spoke of being a child and tracing the perimeter on a map with a permanent marker. It didn't have anything to do with challenging or proving the tale's validity, she said, or beating a time, or proving a woman could do it or anything like that. Amelia was simply enamored by the idea, as Lewis and Clark longed to see the Pacific, or as Ponce de Leon ached for the fountain of youth. She wanted to run, and that was the trail she chose. Alexei Alexikov typed his dissertation as he eyed the television in his Moscow living room. A native of Vancouver, British Columbia, Amelia figured it'd be easiest to start heading south along the Pacific coast. She didn't bother telling anyone she was going. Her boss at the real estate office didn't even get a phone call inquiring about vacation time. Regardless, she only noticed her secretary was gone upon seeing her being interviewed on Good Morning Sacramento. Like I said, Miss Barnes was never good at making an impression. Arthur Jones nursed a hangover with salty curly fries in Burlington. It wasn't until that interview folks started to take notice. They'd camp on sidewalks, hand her cold drinks, monitor her progress, and take bets on when she'd give up. People made shirts calling her Henrietta Handsome or the outlaw's wife, but Amelia never acknowledged the comparison. She didn't give two shits about Henry Handsome. She just wanted his journey. Jens Lindquist drove his last bus shift in Oslo, calling out stops with the radio blaring. The first couple years honed and chiseled Amelia's body like a statue. Her cheekbones became pronounced as her skin shed any unnecessary slack. Her musculature developed like oceans carving the shore. Compared to a Kodak photo snapped in Mexicali, the Amelia who stood at the gateway to Chile's Patagonian fjords looked like a different woman, a different being. Skin leathery, once auburn hair bleached and drained blonde, once forest eyes now a translucent gray. Bert Samuels cracked open a cold one in Hoboken. We can't know for sure what the running did to her psyche, but we can say that Amelia Barnes proved that a human could indeed voyage the complete western seaboard on foot. After rounding Cape Horn, when asked if she'd care to comment on the accomplishment thus far, Amelia declined. Louise Christian fell asleep on her second-hand couch in Sydney. Interest in Amelia's run ebbed and flowed as it progressed. Almost like the nightly news or communist fear, the story was simply something that was always on in the background. And this gave a compelling comfort to the now millions of people who mostly ignored it. Amelia was met with cheers in Belize City, colorful flags in Merida, general enthusiasm in Tampico, Mardi Gras beads in New Orleans. Dr. Jesse McDougall remembered the time years ago she tossed those green and purple beads now as she watched television between performing back-to-back root canals in Tampa. People's lives had progressed. Times had changed. Some were born and some had died in the time Amelia Barnes ran the perimeter of North and South America. But she didn't think much about that. Sure, I would imagine she had bad days and good days, Days when she didn't go as far as she thought. Days when she went farther than she had ever dreamed. But things couldn't have been all that bad if she kept going. Or I suppose that could be why she kept going. Abdelaziz sold a salty old woman a fine leather purse in Casablanca. Whatever her emotional state was for the duration of the six previous years, it must have been on the up and up when she crossed back into Canada, this time heading north on the Atlantic coast. 
Things were probably cold and dire a few times in Newfoundland and up near whatever the hell's around Hudson Bay. However, Amelia insisted she not be followed or supported or tracked in any way. What happened up there was between her and God and Henry Hansom. When she breached the Alaskan border and folks started having intermittent sightings again, well, that's when the world tuned in and tuned up their volumes. Can you believe it? Gerald Higgins in Salt Lake City would say. You remember that girl, Emily something, Amy, the runner? Missy Harmon would ask her friends in Manitoba. News and facts and figures and tales percolated like a hot pot of coffee. People don't much care about the journey until the home stretch. She did what now? said Florence Bingham in Knoxville. Marina Ellsworth bought herself an early birthday present in Amsterdam. That's when the story crystallizes. All that shit in between, you could be a die-hard fan or not have paid attention at all. But you could celebrate the same nonetheless. Anchorage was only about 2,000 more miles to Vancouver. Juno was only maybe 1,800. What was that to a woman who already ran over 200,000? Amelia Barnes just kept on going. Javier Felice bought batteries at a radio shack in Des Moines as he watched the glowing wall at top-of-the-line Panasonic television sets. A thousand miles from Ketchikan, 250 from Port Hardy. She was back in British Columbia after all those years. September 27th, 1977. That was the day all who were watching figured she'd set foot back in her hometown. But that's why Amelia Barnes never made calculations like that. All she did was run. If she got to Los Angeles on a Monday or Fort Elisa in December, she didn't care. Barry Donovan taught children English at a mission school somewhere deep in the Nicaraguan jungle. People set timers. News stations and affiliates set up tents in Vancouver. They starved for a triumphant victory. A story. A miracle. Hope for anyone who was after it. September 27, 1977 came and went like every other September 27 for the past six years. Nobody ever blinked an eye at those ones, but this one hurt. Neighborhood watches roamed the streets. Coast Guard helicopters illuminated outer Canadian banks. Ferryboat captains looked at a grainy file photo and squinted in the distance when they had a spare few minutes. But Amelia Barnes was gone. She never returned to Vancouver. She ran almost the distance between the earth and the moon, but must have gotten lost in the stars. In the days preceding the supposed finish line victory, most people generally went about their business. Faye O'Toole finally got around to scheduling that landscaper in Houston. Bruno Calamon ordered the finest filet mignon you ever seen in Interlochen. Jen Peters hired yet another new secretary in Vancouver. It's not that they didn't care about Amelia Barnes or didn't hope she was safe, or didn't wish her well, or didn't pray for her. Life went on. They gave her all the time they could. The whole world waited for Amelia Barnes. Most of us aren't anymore. Thanks for listening to Henry Hansom Lived and Died. If you'd like to learn more about the collection, go to elliotmanson.com slash henryhansom.